Join us on the road to our 10,000th download and the launch of our new TV channel with the limited edition Mistaken Identity Podcast shirt made by Obvious Shirts, of course. Click the link in our show notes to purchase before they're all gone. Make sure to tag us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter while wearing your shirt for a chance to win additional merchandise. Hey everybody, Joe Flaherty here. Before we get to the episode with Frank and Thomas, I'm sure many of you are aware and may have even received cookies. Uh, That's right, cookies from Chris Bryant and his wife, who over this past weekend made their return to Wrigley Field for the first time since Chris was shipped out west to the San Francisco Giants. And uh, we actually got some sound from Chris himself explaining why he wanted to make it a priority to thank and give back to everybody on the game day staff and beyond who make Wrigley run day to day. So without further ado, here's Chris Bryant. No, just something me and my wife wanted to do to, you know, it's easy to thank the, your hitting coach or your teammates or, you know, the people, you know, writing out your checks. But, you know, the people behind the scenes here really uh, make this place go. And, you know, They've, they've been through a lot here. A lot of them have, you know, 20 years plus of, of working in the stands and going through a lot of losing seasons and uh, to finally win one and see how happy they were and just how they've treated us my whole career here. So, I mean, just a little something, um, you know, that I could send their way to show them just how much me and my family appreciate them. favorite people on the planet uh, who has temporarily left me uh, at Wrigley Field, but uh, it's still my friend, hopefully until the end, and that is uh, Thomas Butler Guerrero. Thomas, how are you today? I'm doing straight. How are you? I'm good because like I said, you know, I, you know, you sort of left me without any notice. I walk, <laughs> in, I walk into work and you're not there and I'm like, wait, my life has been turned upside down, um, but you're here, so you're still my friend. Hundred percent. It's crazy. You remember? Uh, do you remember when you first seen me? I remember when I met you. I, I bet so many people. Now I, re- I remember. Well, let, me, let me hear your story first. You tell me first. <laughs> so I'm going into my uh, Chicago Cubs like interview to join the team, and I go upstairs. I'm in the front office of the Chicago Cubs. I had no idea that like this was going to be how this interview would go down. I go up to the room that they, you guys were all set in those tables. You were the first person that I walked towards. And I was, <laughs> and I was instantly like, wow. Like I'm not only am I in the front office, but I, you know, have somebody that is understanding me, that is connecting with me, that is actually listening to uh, my background, that is understanding me. And I was, I promise you, Frank, when I left there, I really felt at home. I really felt like, you know, there was a foundation, there was a family, and I really, like, was astounded and excited to join the Cubs. 
You know, it's funny because uh, although I don't I, I interview a ton of people, but I must say yeah. that my, my interview style is, is I know you're telling the truth because my interview style is different than most people. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe that Wrigley Field is a family. I started when I was 16. I'm in my 40s now. So um, to me, it's a family. So uh, when I'm talking to somebody, it's more about them joining the family than joining a job. Um, so I want to be able to, you know, see how they vibe and how they chill. So, yes, that sounds uh, that sounds like me, but I remember, um, and it's going to sound funny, but uh, most people that work at Wrigley Field, I say this all on every podcast, when there's somebody new who's young, who's a person of color, other staff people come to me and say, hey, Frank, have you met this person or have you met that person? Because like in my real life, that's what I do. I, I mentor people and I help people out of color. Um, so somebody point out to me, and it's going to be really, really funny to you because you might not even know this story, but uh, somebody pointed out to me about the guy in Premiere with the hair. The guy in <laughs> <laughs> with the hair. Frank, have you talked to or have you met the guy in Premiere with the hair? And I must say that one of the things that I'm highly jealous of you about, because I have no hair at all, <laughs> is how versatile you are, how versatile your hair is. Like, you, I mean, you can do, you do so much and have so many looks with your hair that I got to start out this podcast talking about the thing that you may not realize, but most of us that know you really feel talk about, and that is the versatility of your hair. So let's talk about your hair and how you decide to do the thing that you do with it. So I will say that even when I got on this Zoom call, my hair was down. I put it up in a bun instantly (laughs) before we even started recording. I will say it just depends on, you know, if I, if I have to be on air, if I have to be on screen or not, if I'm just hanging out, no, I can keep it in a bun all the time. When I was at Wrigley, I didn't want, I didn't want my hair to be like, you know, dripping on my polo. I wanted my hair to be up. There was a time when I thought it was going to be more professional to uh, wear braids. And I was actually encouraged by uh, an actual director at a television station that like, I do have a, ver- a various amount of ways that I could put my hair, but they said that if you're going to want to be on air, you have to have a consistent look. And it's hard having a consistent look when you have curly hair and you have a beard. Most t- television anchors and all that, they don't have beards. They don't have, you know, curly hair. So I, you know, conformed and I got braids. And even then, I still feel like braids are a professional look. But uh, the more that I got comfortable with being around the, you know, being behind the camera uh, or being in front of the camera, I should say, I felt more comfortable to let my hair flow down. Uh, I I like I like the way my hair looks when it's down. Uh, It's just that, you know, curls can frizz up in 10 minutes. And it can have a completely different look than it does when I, you know, show up to the media studio, when I show up, you know, first get on front of the camera, it depends on how many takes I have to do. So I will say that there is a lot of variations on how I have my hair, but uh, down is what I prefer. Now, you and I, when we get done, you're going to send me some pictures, uh, because this is a members only episode, and you're going to send me some pictures of different variations of your hair so that I can show I remembers what I'm talking about. And in each picture, I swear to God, you're looking at a different person <laughs> in the last picture. And that's how, that's how I remember hearing about you is people kept telling me, have you seen or have you talked to a young man in Premiere with the hair? So <laughs> that's how I remember about you. Um, 
And then you brought up you brought up TV, you brought up media. Uh, most people, because you were in Premiere, and that's a separate department than um, the rest of us. It's like its own island, really. Um, most of them don't know that you have this amazing um, career in media and journalism. Uh, so let's talk about how you got into that and what you're doing. So I, after I graduated high school, I went to Maryville, Indiana. I'm originally from Gary. I went to basic training uh, at Fort Benning and I went to uh, AIT at Fort Lee in Virginia. After I got out of basic training in AIT, I was looking into colleges. I actually had a baseball career that I wanted to. I was a center fielder. I played collegiately my freshman and sophomore year, but I really had the instinct to want to get into radio production and uh, journalism, sports journalism. So I attended Illinois Media School. This is when I first got introduced to Chicago. I, I had visited Chicago, but I had never like traveled to Chicago on a daily basis. So I applied for Illinois Media School. I go through the course. It was uh, February 2016, and I hosted a radio show from like April to like through the rest of the summer. Now, this was my this is when I first embarked on, you know, how to set up interviews, how to how to conversate with people from like over an hour, how to put together a real you know radio production. So I learned a lot at Illinois Media School. I met some of the, you know, uh, Chicago journalists. I met some of the NFL Network journalists. Uh, John Clayton was one of my John Clayton. He's an NFL's uh, senior journalist. I was able to meet him and he was able to talk to my class. But after Illinois Media School, I really picked up an internship with the Region Sports Network. Uh, it's where I'm from, Northwest Indiana. And uh, I was a game producer. I got into game production. So I was not just, you know, getting video of the, the games, but I was uh, producing. I was, you know, helping change the scores. I was helping uh, set up the commercials. I was really just like the director of some of the game production that we were doing for high school games. After that, this is crazy, actually. I'm, all this is uh, coming back in my mind. When I left, the day I left from the interview with the Cubs, the front office, I'm in my car, still in Chicago on the highway, and I get a call. The call was from Andrew Starkey. He was the director of the California Winter League. So before I even worked with the Cubs, I had moved back to Chicago from California. It's because I got a broadcasting internship. That's when I, they, they call this tunnel vision. That's when I had absolute tunnel vision. Everything in my peripheral that was, you know, not sports related, not what I wanted to do with a career. I had that blocked out of my mind. And I was like, oh, I'm about to go to California. Like, this is an actual internship. This is the best thing that I could have. And then it was the day. It was like literally the day in the car leaving from a Cubs interview. And I was like, when I get back, I'm really going to have a job with the Cubs. So, you know, when the interview happened, the interview was probably like in January, late January, early February. I fly out to California, do the... Uh, do the broadcasting internship. The league was fine. It was my first time being out in California. So I, you know, enjoyed that. And when I came back, I had developed communication skills to be able to talk to anybody, to be able to talk to strangers, to be able to talk to players. So when I got to the Cubs, I found out that Premier was the secluded section of not only security, but for, uh, you know, the fans that got sweet tickets. So the good thing I'll say about 
being with Premier is that if you're going to buy sweet tickets at Wrigley Field, you were going to show up early. They get tours. They can go, you know, see batting practice. They, you know, they, they aren't going to show up an hour, two hours into the game. When you are doing, you know, the outside, the, the fans, those those fans they get stuck in the line till after the second inning you know they're still trying to get into the get into the uh Wrigley field so what i'll say is the best thing about working at premier was everybody was already through by the time the game had started my whole purpose was to watch the cubs i wanted to watch the cubs every single game and we were on if you remember that season we were on fire at home we weren't losing. We, we had like the best home record in the league that season. So I was, you know, not just astounded by the people that I was meeting. I got a picture with David Ross when we were after hours. He was literally like the first athlete that I seen, like when I clocked out and he wanted to take an image, a, a picture with me. I was able to see players like Lester, Baez and, you know, uh, their families coming through because they all get sweet tickets and stuff. Uh, Carrie Wood. You know, there's there's so many celebrities that come to Wrigley Field. It really is a historical landmark. I will say that, like, work, working with Premier and working with the uh, the Cubs as a, a game operational standpoint was the best thing that I could have ever dreamed of. Way better than what I even initially thought it was going to be. Now, speaking of Lester, he is pitching against the Cubs on Monday. What do you think is going to happen? Mm. Well, the Cubs do better against left-handed pitchers. I know that John Lester uh, just did well in his recent start. I was mad that we weren't able to bring him back. He had like a, a downfall to the rest of his uh, Chicago Cubs tenure, but I'm still glad that he's still in the league. And I, we're, we're having problems scoring runs. So the, the fact that Lester's doing well right now, I, I do think that he'll be able to last two, four or five innings, but I do think that you know, our best chance to be able to hit will be against the slow left-handed pitcher. To me, it's the dynamic that I like because uh, David Ross knows Lester closer than almost anybody that there is. And now he is the manager of the club. So that dynamic of really Ross versus Lester is a dynamic you rarely see. So that's going to be good for me to see. Yeah, for sure. Uh, again, in 2019, when I was working at the Cubs uh, at, at Premier, David Ross wasn't the manager at that point. You know, he, he was still just coming on every, and he, he showed up as more, much as any celebrity. So, you know, he was interacting with everybody and then, you know, word started to get around, you know, the news started coming out uh, that Ross was going to be one of the potential head coaching candidates. And I was like, wow, I really got to meet the future Chicago Cubs uh, manager. And then he actually got the job and I was like, this is, this is like, this is more than a dream. I was like, I really got to meet the manager with the Chicago Cubs, a, a man that in his last MLB at bat, in his last MLB at bat, hit a home run to extend the Cubs lead in game seven of the World Series. Like there, there was just, and, and he only played that game seven because Lester pitched. I mean, it's so much that had has happened and has set up. It's like, you know, it's, it's it comes full circle when you really sit back and think about it. Now, you're here on our podcast, but, um, you know, truth be told, um, again, I've been in the podcasting world for, what, a month? Um, and I'm sitting here talking to somebody who's been podcasting and journalism forever. And you have a great podcast, some great guests. Uh, why you want me on it, I will never know, but I want to be on your yeah. podcast. But 
Um, let's talk about your podcast because I listened to some episodes, especially the one you sent me today, David Ortiz one. Uh, amazing podcast. I recommend it for everybody. So tell us how you got into the podcasting and what your show is about. The first thing I'll say, the reason why I want you on the podcast is because I want to be able to show my generation and the people that like listen to me, the, the, uh, the college kids, why they should invest. You know, I'm I'm a sports gambler. I pride myself on learning the sports gambling business, especially now that it's become legalized in Indiana and uh, it's there's a sports book that's going to be open at Wrigley Field. I think that people should learn how to do it. You know, people waste money all the time all the time. Mattress Mac put $4 million on a horse in the Kentucky Derby that lost in 60 seconds. Can you imagine losing $4 million in 60 seconds? I mean, so I, my, my biggest thing, I really wanted you to, and you know, I'm not that well-versed on investing myself. I mean, I, I look at some of the apps, but I, I, the questions that I sent you, the questions that I have laid out for you, like I'm actually going to take something away from that. And I really do want to get into investing. So the reason why I wanted to, and I, I felt it was perfect. The reason why I wanted to have you on my podcast is because you are really good in investing. I'm really uh, well-versed in the new age of sports gambling. So I wanted to be able to bring, uh, a monetized episode, like a, a episode that can help people actually learn how to invest and to uh, gamble uh, smarter. All right. So on to your brilliance podcast Tell us about how we got started. All of, you know, let us know. Oh yeah, for sure. So I'll say, so after I left the Cubs, I didn't leave you guys. I, I, you said that I left you. I, I didn't plan on leaving you guys, but I, I was planning on continuing my education. So as soon as the season ended, I applied to IUPUI for sports journalism. It was really close. I'm, again, I'm from Gary, so it was in my home state. Once I got in, I just found out that, you know, the NBA All-Star Game was going to be there. The NFL Combine's there all the time. The March Madness was going to be here this year. The, you know, Indy 500, there are so many different things that, like, Indianapolis had to offer me. And I was like, this is the perfect time to go. Now, I'll say my first podcast started around February last year, and I was getting prepared for the NFL Combine. It was like the NFL playoffs, and I was like, I really want to get this going. I think for Christmas that year, I actually, I know for Christmas that year, I got a snowball, a microphone. Like, so I was like, all right, this is it. This is exactly what I want to do. And, you know, this is 2020 now. COVID hadn't even begun yet. So I was like, for the next decade, I really want to dedicate myself to at least giving it a go, trying to interview people, trying to get better, trying to develop an audience that actually wants to listen to me. And again, the, the the whole podcast when I first got started, it was all about the initiation. Once I started, you know, getting to talk to not just my friends, but to actual athletes, to actual other journalists, I was able to interview some really cool guys, even Frank Walker. That's really dope. I, I actually can't wait to interview you. But I just think that once I was initiated, I was dedicated and I was stuck. Once I get, once I get stuck on something again, it's just tunnel vision, nothing else that I, you know, nothing in my peripheral at all matters to me. I just, I get focused on one thing and I set my mind to it. So let, let me tell you why I'm a, a fan of yours, uh, whether you know it or not. Um, <laughs> so when you were, when you were at Wrigley, uh, you, I mean, you just resembled me so much when I was at Wrigley, mm -hmm. Uh, I rarely, I was the person that was always 
pushing the envelope. Uh, you know, well, can we do this? Can I be this? Why can't I go over here and do this? Like I was always that person that was questioning, uh, you know, why can't I work over there? Why can't I go over here and do this? And, you know, I would just sort of be gone. Was, where's Frank at? What is he doing? Like, um, that was me. And over time, it's because my mind was always uh, moving with things that I wanted to do and ideas and uh, people didn't understand me. People didn't understand. They thought I was a troublemaker or they thought I was, you know, <laughs> Um, not following the rules, but really, I didn't think like they thought. I was thinking beyond, and they, I'm, a, I'm amazed by this, and I want to investigate this. And uh, I saw that in you uh, when you were um, at Wrigley. And then as I got to know you and follow you on social media, I noticed that you have the same philosophy that I have, and that is um, to go out and take risks and try to do things organically and just see where it goes from there which is how I sort of uh, do things in life. Um, I don't really care about whether I have, uh, you know, one listener or two listeners. If I'm passionate about something, I'm going to keep doing it. And I've learned that when people see you're passionate about it and you keep talking about it and keep doing it, all the listeners and the fans and the support will come eventually in due time. So uh, that is why uh, um, I'm a huge fan of yours. And I still follow you and I listen to your, look at your stories, listen to your uh, podcast. If you ever get a paid membership, I'm going to pay for that too. Um, mm. So that that's you know, and you probably you probably didn't know any of this that I was going to say any of this, but uh, that's why I'm a huge fan of yours. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I really just embarked on a uh, new website that I publish sports articles, uh, not just for different interviews that I conduct, but uh, I publish my podcast on there so people can listen to it. And then I give uh, sports gambling advice to some of my friends. Yes, it's paid. Yes, it's subscripted. But that's so I can be able to build an audience so people know that, like, if they're going to invest in me, then I'm going to invest in putting into the research. All right. Uh, I'm going to research all day about the best matchups, the best uh, the best situations, the best bets that I can put, you know, put money into people's pockets. Now, when I first started this website, I'll say that, like, I was really just trying to, you know, get my feet wet with journalism, with, uh, you know, just writing articles, game recaps. I tried to do some of the Cubs games while I was working there. You know, it, it wasn't professional or anything, but I'll say once I started charging people to know that, like, the information that I'm about to give you is about to make you some money, some real money that you can, you know, you can use this information, not just for one game, but like three, four, five, six games during the night. And you don't have to sit back and be like, why didn't I just bet on this? You know, that's when I started to skyrocket. So I'll say like up until, and again, I just started this, this new website this month. It started on May 3rd. So I'll say, up until May 3rd, I probably got like 500 podcast listens and like 500 maybe reads on my personal. It's not a really a blog. I still consider myself a journalist, not a blogger. So like 500 reads on my uh, on my articles within these last 10 days that I've done this, I've skyrocketed to over a thousand reads. I've skyrocketed to over 700 views uh, or listens to my podcast and I get people actually investing into me. So I'll say that like it was all, it was all initiated last year with the NFL combine and the journey uh, of wanting to be a better journalist, be a better get my feet wet with broadcasting, get my feet wet with, uh, you know, podcast world, especially that, you know, everything 
is done now and everything is on social media now anybody can have a podcast so i was like why not me why, why can't i dedicate myself to this and actually you know get accustomed to uh providing a whole media circle being a, a jack of all trades media multimedia journalist yeah you know originally i um struggled with the idea of you know having people pay for the content um and really it was Apple deciding to make an update and make the changes that sort of pushed me that way, forced me to look at it. Uh, but somebody was telling me how, you know, people pay for content all the time and make other people, um, you know, that's how they get their content made. You know, why should you struggle and pay all your bills yourself? Yeah. Please, everybody else. You never know. Your friends or family may want to support your work. They're getting value out of it. So we went ahead and did, you know, upgraded and did the, uh, the membership levels, $3, $9, $15. And lo and behold, all I have to do is ask. And we have people yeah, at all man. levels. I'm like, wow, I mean, here I am struggling, not struggling, but here I am paying, you know, I told you our bills are like $400 a month because we've gotten so big and we do so much now mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, hey, people actually want to do that. So uh, yes, uh, having people support you financially I think is the best way to show that your work has value. For sure. Uh, the question, one question I really did want to ask you, can you go to the uh, Chicago Cubs sessions? Can you uh, elaborate on the Chicago Cubs sessions that we had during Black History Month? Oh, yes. Uh, actually, I started them in January, actually. Uh, mm. I, I had them, we had Kyle, we had Kyle Swoboda and Kerry Wood. and But um, uh, yeah, because that's how you got started, right? That's how you got started in your podcast. <laughs> yes, <right? laughs> yes. Uh, you know, the pandemic was here, and uh, the staff had hadn't worked in a long time, and uh, we we're like, hey, why don't we uh, get them together in January? Well, we would have gotten together anyway, and then uh, you know we can go from there and have different sessions. And uh, next thing you know, we end up having Ryan Dempster and so forth, hmm. and all of these players that recruited themselves. Right? We asked, I think. Um, the staff who knows players uh, asked them to come out and next you know we had all these uh, uh, players coming out all right so then in, um, you know it was so, it was so successful in January um, that some other players that we had asked to participate couldn't make it in January but they could make it in February so we're like well hey you know let's do a black history series we got Jenkins, we have Audrey Dawson, we have Ray Burris, and that's where you got involved. And I'm like, let me have uh, Thomas do Ray Burris. Burris. So tell me about your experience with that. You tell me. So when you first asked me to do that, I was like, wow, I'm really about to moderate something that I get to talk to an actual former major league player. And it was during Black History Month. Like this was I, I really wanted to do this for the students because I knew this was all about the students being able to get involved. But like, not only was this for the elementary school, high school students. No, I'm a whole college student that was able to, you know, learn a lot about what Ray Burris had to endure and be able to hear his story. You know, anybody that didn't know, like Bill Madlock or even Andre Dawson. I mean, I'm, I don't know, like, a, you know, uh, I wasn't I'm 23 years old. Some some of the students that were listening are much younger than me, never probably heard of Andre Dawson before the Hawk. Like so I'll say that the Ray Burris interview really got me really got me started in in uh, being able to ask the right questions, being having to prepare for an interview. You know, you you gave me probably a week or so, maybe two weeks to prepare for this 
Ray Burris interview and I was like, all right, let me do all the research I can. Let me make sure that this, you know, that I'm not prolonging questions. Let me ask the 10, 15 best questions that I can and get the best answers out of him. And, you know, he got emotional right away. So that obviously helped. Like, you know, this was an actual experience for him. This was something that he actually endured. So the more that he got to the more that he got to talking to us and actually elaborating on what he endured in his story, you know, I, I was moved. I, I felt the, I felt like I was living through him and I was like imagining how he could have felt to get started in the major leagues when not a lot of people wanted us to be able to participate. Um, yes. And it's funny, you know, uh, people that are watching the podcast know that I'm in a, I'm in a different room than I usually am. Um, and we're recording, we're recording in the daytime, either record at night, but, uh, you know, um, I can hear now why I don't record in the daytime because my neighbors are up and the, the sirens are going off. It's very active around me. But um, the Ray Burris thing, everybody has been messaging me about that since it happened. As soon as he started to cry about his experiences with racism, everybody, I think he had the whole room just in tears. Um, so that was a great question that you asked that led to that moment. So, you know, bravo to you. For sure. Thank you. Again, I appreciate you allowing me to be able to moderate one of those. It really like it really forced me to have to uh, amp up my journalism skills, because not only is this was this podcast or this uh, interview going to be listened by my friends. No, this is going to be listened by you know, hundreds of people that, you know, even live like that. This was a live Zoom session. So like I. I couldn't thank you more. I really couldn't thank you anymore like that uh, for allowing me to be able to uh, participate in the Black History Month series, man. That was like an incredible uh, series, not just with Ray Burris, but with every player that they had or every player that you guys had join us. I, I took away so much. I got to meet people that I thought I'd never even dream of meeting. So again, I, I can't thank you more. Man. Yeah, again, I've been with the club since I was a, a child and never ever in the history of the organization can I remember the staff having that kind of access one-on-one -on -one with Hall of Famers or current players and um, I don't think it would ever happen again but <laughs> um, that was definitely truly um, historic so uh, I'm excited that you came by to uh, join us again you all check, check out his podcast and I'm going to be on his podcast and so that means that it'll be all over my page and social media um, but Thomas thank you very much and hopefully uh you will come back once again to be with us on our podcast yes for sure frank i definitely want to i definitely want to build and develop a real podcast network i, I want to be able to do that one day so you know joining other podcasts and learning watching other podcasts and watching and uh learning how they set up their interviews how they you know create the long 30 minute episodes or whatever like you know my podcast i i try to stay like 15 to 20 minutes i know i i really can't get people to listen for a 30 minute hour long podcast so like i i just try to get the interview through and then just give my thoughts on it and takes but uh again i learned i learned a lot from you i learned a lot uh during the black history month series and you're helping me grow into a better journalist myself so i Again, you're the best. You are the absolute best. And if, if you could take anything from this, again, remember that I can visualize. I still can visualize the first time I saw you as excited as I could be 
in the Cubs front office getting ready to apply for a, you know, a game operations job. <laughs> and from there, you ended up interviewing a player and now you're on a podcast. It was me. Who were the thoughts from that one interview that this would all happen? <laughs> Can't believe it. Like, man, it all comes full circle when you really think about it, man. Yes. Uh, all right. Thank you, Thomas. And thank you all for listening to this uh, members only edition of the podcast. We'll catch you all later. Hey, everybody. Joe Flaherty here with the Mistaken Identity Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We want to thank you for your continued support. We also want to extend a heartfelt thank you to those of you who have written reviews, dropped some likes, and shared our shows as that has allowed us to grow beyond any of our expectations. As a matter of fact, we're excited to announce a new way for our loyal listeners to enhance their experience even more with our new membership feature. All you have to do is jump in the show notes and follow the link to our Patreon page where you can find access to a whole bunch of extra goodies for as little as $3 a month. You'll be given access to exclusive content, merchandise, behind-the-scenes video, early access to episodes, the ability to make special requests for guests, and much, much more. Now, if that sounds like something that interests you, head on over to Patreon and search Mistaken Identity Podcast or simply follow the link in our show notes to join the likes of Nancy Sullivan, Alice Daniels, and Kathy Chester at the rookie level, all the way on up to the Hall of Fame level with longtime listeners Kathy Weedley and Kathy Grossman. As always, we can't leave without our disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely our own, and we do not speak for or on behalf of the Chicago Cubs or any other organization. Stay safe, and we'll catch you next time.